It is a beautiful spring day. I'm walking outside under blue skies. There are some fluffy white clouds. And in the gardens here of the houses in the neighborhood, everything is in full bloom. This beautiful tree here on my left with pink flowers. It's one of those tulip tulip trees. At least that's the, that's what we call them over here. People are walking their dogs, they're biking around. And the weather is only going to get better over the weekend. And I love it. I was really longing for springtime. Finally an end to the to the cold. And we're heading for Easter. We're heading for good times. And it's my birthday. <laughs> I'm recording this on my 51st birthday. I was born in 1968. And uh, I've been walking around on this planet for quite a while now. And it's, it's a nice present to get some good weather on your birthday. I'm keeping it simple though because uh, I'm still working. Next week I'll uh, take some days off and uh, try to... Uh, to rest a little bit in preparation for uh, for Easter. Here's a kid on roller skates because, of course, uh, it's Friday afternoon, so there's no more school. And they can enjoy a long weekend. I mean, I remember how long weekends would be when I was still a child. It was almost like a, a weekly mini vacation, whereas now. <laughs> now that I'm old and gray, uh, the weekends are over in a blink of an eye. It's in incredible how, how quickly a weekend is, is gone. But I'm taking some time off, and uh, that means that this week I have to work a little bit harder to finish uh, some of my programs. Uh, we went filming two days this week, this past week. Uh, I went to, all the way to Belgium to a good friend of mine, Father Gerben. And he is the, my, my fellow priest uh, of my diocese. But a few years ago, he decided to uh, enter the, the community of Augustine uh, Fathers. And he now lives in Belgium. But he always organizes these uh, youth camps. And I'm making a television episode about youth and faith. And I, I have material that I filmed last year when I went along with that um, youth camp but I wanted to interview him as well so we went all the way to Belgium it was near Louvain so it was uh, about two and a half three hours uh, to, to get there there, was, there had been some accidents around Antwerp so and, and it was the weather was horrible it was cold and rainy and a really exhausting day but I was really glad to see Father Herman again and we uh, reminisced of course a, a lot about uh, the times that we uh, organized these things together and then on Thursday so that was yesterday we uh, fil we were filming in Amsterdam in a community of Franciscan friars and that was for uh, an Easter episode uh, we, we uh, started this cooking series on our Catholic channel and the uh, Uh, the first time we went uh, to Utrecht and we made pancakes or crepes with the, the, the uh, rector of the seminary. And uh, this time we, we were 
painting eggs, Easter eggs, literally, with uh, Franciscan friars. And we had a conversation with them about Easter and uh, the resurrection and um, bringing people to life. Well, what a, it was really a, a, a good conversation. And we were lucky that even though it was in the middle of Amsterdam, and not the prettiest part of Amsterdam, not the Amsterdam for the postcards, but uh, kind of a, a newer area, uh, lots of, uh, uh, not really skyscrapers, but more of an industrial look. And in the middle of that was a monastery built in the 60s, I think, or late 50s. But they did have a garden, and the garden was in full bloom, and you had, like, the most beautiful Dutch garden that I've ever seen with tulips and colors and flowers in all sorts of types and genres and so uh, we ended the episode hiding the the eggs in the, the easter eggs in the uh, in the garden of the monastery it was a lot of fun um but also fatiguing and, and exhausting so i was glad to be back home again and today i am editing the tv episode i'm also well, I'm not. I'm, that's what I'm doing right now, <laughs> and I have to think about uh, a, a time that I can edit together that Easter episode. That's not going to be too much work. Usually, TV is a lot more work. And then, hopefully, somewhere around Wednesday, next Wednesday, um, I'm going on a on a trip. I'm just going out. I don't know exactly what. Um, I, I examined a few possibilities of first my initial idea was ah, i could go to porto in portugal and uh walk the camino from portugal to uh to santiago it's a very different itinerary from the camino frances that i walked a few years ago it's much shorter you can do that in about two weeks but i didn't have two weeks i only had about nine days eight nine days and, and, of course, the original plan, even before that, was that I was going to Chicago for the Star Wars celebration. I even bought tickets half a year ago. But um, a while ago, I think I've already shared this, I just felt that that would be too way too, too, too much work, too much stress organizing the trip. And uh, just what I needed was not entertainment. What I needed was some time off to pray, to walk outside, to just calm down and be away from the day-to-day activities and and worries also. So uh, I canceled the trip. I, I got my money back from, of the tickets because you can put them on sale again and someone else can buy them and have a great time over there. A lot of my friends are going, so I'll still stay informed and I hope that they will do the same thing, uh, they, what they did uh, during the last Star Wars celebration, and that is to show us what was going on with live streams. And oftentimes you get to see much more than if you're actually there because there is a lottery system. You can't just walk into uh, a Star Wars panel. You have to enter a lottery for every single presentation. And uh, so you're out of luck if uh, you're not part of the happy few that can enter these various halls and uh, events. So I think I made the right decision. Um, but I, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I still don't really know what I'm going to do in a few days from now. What I do know is that I have to meet those deadlines, so I have to fit, finish the, the two episodes. And then I'll have basically until 
Wednesday in the in the Holy Week. So I'll be uh, celebrating um, Palm Sunday in another parish. And uh, I'm currently contemplating, I, I looked at going to, perhaps to going to Ireland. Uh, Dublin's not that far away. And uh, it's a beautiful country. But then I saw the weather forecast and it is cold in Dublin and it is raining and it's like four degrees in the morning. It's not the, the best weather to go visit that. Same is true for Scotland and England. So now I'm looking to into going uh, more to France, perhaps, or Luxembourg, or both. Just take my car and go to the northern part of France. I can do that in a couple of hours. And, of course, in France, there are lots of great uh, areas where I can go for a walk. Um, there are also some spiritual places that I could visit. But I want this to be more of a, a pilgrimage than a, than a vacation, because I need a pilgrimage. Some people go on a retreat... I'm more the type of person who benefits from, from walking and being outside, being in nature and, uh, and, and going somewhere. I don't know what it is. I don't have the, the patience, I think, for, uh, for a retreat in a, in a monastery. But that is next week. Today, uh, I'm just celebrating my birthday in a very simple way. I did not invite my family or organize too much over the weekend because I... A few days ago, I wasn't even sure that I could free up time to uh, to invite people because, well, I was working to towards that deadline. So tonight, I've invited a few of my friends for a board game, so they'll come over and uh, we'll we'll get some Chinese takeaway and then play a board game. And that, for me, that's fine. That's great. You know, I don't I don't really care that much about the uh, about birthdays, but what I like is to be together with friends spend some time, have a ex- uh, common experience, and then, uh, and then go to bed in time. <laughs> I do sleep a lot. Um, and uh, I'm still uh, I'm very happy with the decision that I took to uh, reduce the number of hours that I work uh, during Lent. So uh, Lent and exercise. And it has really changed a number of things in my life. At first, it, first of all, it made me aware of how much I was working over time. And how, how often I would uh, agree to, to, to do things, to, to burden myself with work, just because I felt that, it, that I was the one who had to do that. And uh, I was way too um, quick at volunteering to do things. And then I'm also notoriously bad in estimating um, the amount of time that some, some work takes like editing it seems so simple yeah we'll just do a show about this and that and I'll edit it in one day and I usually have to double that because I'm just I think way too easy uh, it's too easily um, that I can do it in, in, in an hour or a day and then it, it always takes at least twice the amount of time and that of course um, in combination with overcharging my schedule leads to stress and fatigue and exhaustion, even even mental fatigue. So de- deliberately reducing the amount of time that I can spend on media production has helped me to make much better decisions, much wiser decisions. And of course, at the, at the beginning, it was hard to say no 
like uh, yes I know that we wanted to do this and that but I just I can't do it I don't have the time what a noise here I'm heading towards the city center because I have to do some last minute shopping for for tonight and uh, I'm walking over a bridge and there's a canal underneath and this is one of the junctions where you have a lot of bicycles and motorbikes racing in and out of the city here's a kid playing hide and seek with her brother who's on the other side of the wall here (laughs) so it, it helps me to be much more honest about what I can do and it also that's the funny thing it's like moving a rock in a stream of water the water will flow around it anyway no matter where you put the stone and so that that kind of feels the the way that um, the, the work that we do is reorganizing itself around my availability. And at first you think, well, everything is going to collapse. And, and now we're thinking, okay, well, Father Otter can't do it. it how, how important is it? Do we really want this? What is our budget? And can we solve this in another way involving other people than Father Roderick? And that, I think, is the big lesson for me, is to dare to let go and to hand it over and also to accept that sometimes not everything is possible. And so I need to be more patient. I need to be more trusting. Because I have to trust the rest of the team. And not everything should depend on me. And I have a tendency to, um, to micromanage and to be very involved in everything we do. Because I'm also usually the, the person who is on the creative side of things. And so I always have ideas on how to do something but the let's say the the phase of the ideas is something else than the execution and I should step away from the execution in most cases in the production itself and be more on the side of the ideas because that's what I do best Um, so this has had already very I think very beneficial consequences Um, one is that for the rest of the year Um, knowing that I want to continue actually I don't want to go back to my old working hours after Lent I think this has proven to be so beneficial I mean being able to go home on Tuesday after four hours of work and telling myself this is okay this is actually more than okay this is good for you to do that to take Wednesday off and to really not work no matter what happens it was very scary at first but um, but now it's actually really helping me to be to have more energy to enjoy working again, which kind of joy was gone because I was trying to do too much. So um, this is this is uh, um, I'm almost done with the TV stuff. I did not expect to to uh, to have to do this this final TV episode for this season. I thought I was done, but I wasn't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Still have time to do this. Then we have a couple of months during the summertime where what I want to do is uh, to produce... People are definitely in a good mood today. (laughs) Noise-wise. So, uh, I want to go out and film things that we... That, that can actually help us get everything ready before the start of the new season in September. That means that I have to f- f- 
figure out nice smart ideas to produce 14 episodes without it costing 14 weeks and that is fun to to think about that so um currently i'm thinking about uh doing a couple of episodes in rome to go back to rome um and to and so i'm kind of planning how can i organize it in such a way that i can film three episodes in, over the course of five or six days in rome because then i can easily get away it's not too expensive to fly to rome and to spend some time there i can film three episodes and then i'm done plus i would would have the benefit of being in rome again uh during the good season uh, in a similar way i'm thinking of uh uh going to france and to produce a number of episodes uh one about a, a priest another priest who actually left the parish in the, in the netherlands to become uh, uh not a monk but a uh, a hermit in the south of France and so he, he was uh, working in a, in a busy parish he was actually also one of the priests that is always on television on Sunday for Sunday Mass and uh, I think two years ago he decided that he wanted to become a hermit changed his life radically I always admire people that have the guts to follow their heart when it comes to these type of particular vocations but at the same time I'm thinking wow we really miss these good priests. They're all, like Herben, like uh, this Father Tio, um, they're all moving away. And the parishes, the number of parishes is remaining the same, and we just have less priests to cater to them. So it does have consequences, not just for the person who is changing direction, but also for all of us that are left to <laughs> left with the pieces in a certain way. Well, it's not that dramatic, but still, it, it is it's quite a challenge. So I'd like to go and visit him and, and do a portrait of, of this priest and learn from him how it changed his life and why he made that choice and if, if what he dreamt would happen is also has materialized or if God has shown him new things. I don't know. Looks, I think it's going to be interesting. I also would like to uh, make a tour past some of the cities and, and towns uh, along the, the Tour de France, which is the biggest cycling event in uh, Europe. And I've done this for radio in 2016, I think, years ago. Um, and I, I loved that experience, just traveling through France and learning, just visiting monasteries and churches and cathedrals and, and special places like spiritual places that are connected to the itinerary of the Tour de France without it, you know, being very much sports-related. It's, it's an opportunity to reach out and, and contact, make contact with the, the people that love that, you know, love sports, love cycling events like the Tour de France. So all of that, I want to kind of put, try to see if I can put that in one, in one week, in one production week, and so on and so on and so forth. So that is uh, what I'm currently doing on the side. And I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to being on the road again and doing what I love doing most, and that is telling stories. I'm also happy so far with uh, my choice of, um, of, of kind of uh, approaching my, my, my podcast in a different way, doing these shorter videos. The only kind of downside of that is it's easy to, for, to forget about it, to... 
normally I would sit down and talk for an hour and uh, we would put that online but I've explained the downsides of that it is oh the ice cream store is open the uh, Mazzoli and there's another Italian ice cream store here in the main road I think it's my birthday right I know it's Lent and it's Friday but I think I I, I can well I can probably not dispense myself but an ice cream can't hurt <laughs> so anyway that is um, that's the downside that I no longer I don't have that routine yet of sitting down and, and filming short episodes but I'll get to that don't worry what I did want to do was to record an episode of The Walk because I know that a lot of you enjoy this um, perhaps even more than, than the old podcast that I was producing because it's a free flow kind of uh, uh, production well it's not really a production it's just me sharing my life with you and well many of you really enjoy that I can't believe how many people are outside right now normally at this time of the day it's not that busy so here's the second ice cream store Gelateria San Marco wait a minute do I have any money on me because otherwise I can dream of ice cream yeah I do have my my uh, bank card with me let's see what they have they always this is homemade ice cream so it's usually a lot better than what you can buy in other places Ooh, it looks great uh, let's see, am I going for fruity or chocolatey? I think I'm more in the mood for pistachios, tiramisu, and let's see. Ooh, this is black, almost black ice cream. Interesting. Uh, Sorciatella, Malaga. Yeah, I know what I want. Hello. Oh, sorry. You have no hand keys. Sorry. You know, some people just need a lot of time to make their uh, choices. I think I'm going for, for chocolatey. Yeah, toch wel. Ik wil drie bolletjes op een gewoon horentje. En dan wil ik graag Malaga. Dat is die met krenten, toch? Ja, ja. Malaga en pistachio. En even kijken hoor. Dit spul. Kaneel, no, 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 let's see. En, en tiramisu ook nog. Zou ik een horentje mogen met tiramisu? Ja. Favorite, favorite flavors. En welke is dan met die koekjes? Dankjewel. Ja. Zou ik een horentje dan Ja. I'll just use electronic payment. <laughs> There we go. Is it working? Okay, thank you. All right. Well, this is audio, so I'm just going to describe what I taste. Mmm. Oh, nice. Very chocolatey. And I'm going to also take the... One of the raisins. Mmm, delicious. Mm-mm. There's such a difference between industrial ice cream and homemade ice cream, and their pistachio, which is the center, I need to taste that too. Mm. Their, pist- their pistachio is the best. I always 
think back of my younger years when our mom would take us to uh, The Hague and there was an Italian ice cream store that she visited when she was a child. And it was, it's, it's still there. And they had the most delicious pistachio ice cream. And oftentimes I've tried to kind of find that flavor that I remember from my youth. And I only found it here in Amersfoort. Mmm. So good. Now I do realize that recording a show and eating an ice cream is not a, the best combination. So I'll try to keep talking, but it's hard because it's so good. Mmm. Tower here on my right. Tower of Our Lady. I love this city. Mm. So, um, all in all, it's, it's what I hoped would happen um, by, that by kind of giving up or offering up my, my working hours for Lent, that, that would create more inner peace and would help me to discern what is truly important, what is truly necessary that I do, and to become more creative, to solve the other things that are, you know, are desirable and, and, and could be good, to solve the production of that in, via other ways, I think that has worked out more than, than I, better than I hoped it would. And I do realize, I do uh, experience still that at the moment there is a little bit of stress, like on Thursday when we had to go to Amsterdam. Well, I didn't really prepare that um, that topic because I outsourced it to our presenter and uh, you know, one of the people that is helping us now uh, putting together our our Dutch shows. Shows. I kind of had to. Um, go in there blind. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know the location. Did not really know what the talk would be about or the interview would be about. And I noticed that, that it causes stress. So that morning, Thursday morning, I was really like, oh, I don't want to go. And why did I plan this? Why did we plan this this week? I'm already exhausted. I just came back from Belgium. So, you know, all in all, at the end of the day, it worked out fine and it was fun. And I had more energy at the end of the day than at the start of the day. But it made me aware that I'm still a bit vulnerable when it comes to um, the amount of energy that I have. And whenever there's stress, it is a little bit more, I don't know, has more impact than normal, than in normal circumstances. Mmm. This ice cream is so good. Mm. However, it's melting quickly <clears throat> because it's warm. <laughs> so I have to work hard. Mm. This is a Lenten penance. <laughs> so, it is, um, I'm st- it's still, I, I will probably need some time to readjust to this new rhythm in my life. And also, um, I also noticed that it's hard to trust that if I do less because it's healthier for me, that it, that ultimately also will be good for the total picture, for, for everything we want to accomplish. Because, of course, if I'm ill, if, I'm, if I don't feel well, if I'm stressed out, that also reflects on, on my co-workers. 
and when I'm when the work that I do um, has enough margin around me, I do it with so much more energy and more more joy. But that also incentivizes the, my coworkers. So the next step is to translate that attitude and those choices and a priority. Sorry, prioritization to the parish activities. Which is even harder in a way. Because I feel this like this obligation to to always do what, what whatever is needed. It's hard to prioritize because I'm not in charge of the parish. I'm not the pastor, I'm just an assistant. However, I did notice in this past half year I've been running from parish church to parish church we've got 15 churches over a very very um, outstretched area it's two parishes 15 churches in total and notice that that is starting to take its toll I, I lose my roots in a certain way the parishioners that I've seen on a weekly basis all of a sudden I only see them like once a month. And at the same time, and I think that is underestimated uh, oftentimes in the church, it's not just that as a priest, when you go and preach and celebrate Mass, you are giving something to the community. It's also the other way around. The, the parishioners that I've gotten to share my life with also help me and inspire me. But when you're running around all the time, and there's no more time to talk with parishioners, and that happens more and more. Like the other Sunday, I was in a, in a parish church, and it was literally 25 minutes, a 25 minutes drive by car to the next mass, and there is only 30 minutes between the end of the mass and the start of the new mass. So can you imagine how that feels when you're? Like, I need it. And then, of course, a mass is never... Uh, it, it's very difficult to, to always end a mass exactly be in, in 60 minutes. So this time, we had, like, between 5 and 10, 10 minutes overtime because of some activities. So I had to run to the car and, and race back to the other parish. You arrive there, there's no time to talk, to, to kind of um, uh, uh, slow down a bit before Mass starts. So you begin Mass in this, this rush, and this, this, you know, like, oh, I just made it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is not the most fulfilling way of being a priest. And so I've decided, I've already mentioned this multiple times, to my pastor, to the pastoral team, Nobody seems to change anything. I've decided if nobody decide makes decisions to improve the situation, then it is probably up to me to 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 be the first one who says I'm no longer doing this. So I wrote a letter to the pastoral team, basically saying I'm not going to do this. Uh, for the second half of this year I'm going to limit myself and this is a very hard decision I'm going to limit myself to a number of churches 
and I only want to be um, I, I, I want to combine the locations that are close to each other so I have time to to speak with my parishioners and it was the hardest thing was to, to, to choose which churches do I want to go to and which churches don't I want to go to anymore and we have of those 15 churches of course only a few of them are, are truly doing well most of them are having a very hard time surviving there are no more children no more families in church it's the same old same old and you can tell that there is no time anymore to improve that That's, it would be they're going to close for financial reasons before you can get the, the, the opportunity to turn things around and re rejuvenate that parish but it's It's kind of hard to to write that down. And of course, that's my estimation. It may very well be that <clears throat> my pastor thinks otherwise. What I do know is that if I would continue to race around for another half year, you know, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to have a pastoral burnout. And that is the last thing that we want, of course. So I hope that um they'll listen and if they don't listen it's very simple I'm just going to be, be very strict I'm saying you can, you can ask me whatever you want but I'm just an assistant priest so I'll just go and talk to my, my bishop and I will tell him what's going on here because I feel that if I don't make choices nobody feels I'm just facilitating a situation that's untenable in the future and I'm not the only one who suffers from that The other priests also have to race around. And I hear that they too uh, worry about that and, and kind of lose, lose energy. And so let me be the one who says, I'm going to stop this. And then hopefully the same thing will happen as what happened when I was making these decisions in my media work. The river will flow around it. You move the stone, the river will find a way. Life will find a way. Who was the uh, church father who said that? <laughs> In Jurassic Park. <laughs> life will find a way. That is absolutely true. And if there's truly life in those parishes and in those churches and communities, they'll find a way. But you should not continue to facilitate something that is going to kill you off, in a way. And... Um, Making choices and implementing change is the hardest thing to do. Hmm. There are a lot of bells here because it's half past four. I'm on the main square, surrounded by medieval houses. There's a fountain here in the center of the square. It's the most unimpressive fountain I've ever seen. Such a beautiful town. But... The fountain itself, you know, is like has the strength of uh, basically opening up a tap. There's a little bit of a little tiny jet of water, and on this square, you would need to have a fountain that's at least 10 meters high or tall. So I don't know what the reason is. Probably because there's so many restaurants that have their uh, tables outside, and if you put up a bigger jet, and there would be wind. 
people would get wet. <laughs> but it's really, it's a, it's a pity, pitiful fountain. So that's kind of what I wanted to share with you. Um, I hope everything is going well in your own life. Sometimes some of you are sharing what's going on or asking for prayers. Um, know that I always do that. When you ask me, even if I don't react every time, know that I follow you and um, whatever you comment and write, and I think about all of you, and I carry you as much as I can in, in, in the invisible in my prayers. And I hope that it, it helps you. Um, also, continue to pray for me and for uh, my fellow priests. We're going to through tough times in the Netherlands. I don't know if you've heard that news about that one priest from Amsterdam who uh, announced, like during the anniversary mass of his ordination, he was a priest for 25 years. So at the end of his mass, he, he announced that he was gay. And not just gay in orientation, but also actively gay, having multiple, having had, over the span of 25 years, having had um, open relationships with many partners, um, had a porn porn addiction, etc. Now, of course, that already is a kind of a bit questionable that someone um, chooses such an, uh, an occasion to, for a, like a public confession. The problem is, is not really a confession. He doesn't really regret it. He only kind of blames the Catholic Church for not being open enough for, towards this kind of behavior. And you can imagine the kind of a politically correct reaction that provokes in, in, in our Dutch society. Like everyone, oh, that evil church. Why don't they accept gays? Why, why can't that priest just be a good priest and at the same time do whatever he wants? And, and, and of course, I, I'm like, okay, here we go again. This has nothing to do with, uh, you know, his homosexuality, but all about his, the promises that he made. And uh, imagine that I, on Sunday I would tell my parishioners, like, hey, yeah, I got uh, multiple girlfriends, and uh, I'm kind of sleeping around, and I always uh, like to uh, order some hookers on Friday evening, and yeah, the church is so constricting me, and has no, doesn't want to really understand us, and has no room for this freedom of the gospel, and blah, blah. You know, everybody would, would be like, oh, come on, what kind of talk is that? But because it's, it's linked, or this priest is linking it to his uh, homosexuality, then all of a sudden it is, nobody dares to, to be critical anymore. And I'm just looking at that, I'm like, oh, man, I know that priest. He's a very kind man. But I also think that he is morally very um, confused, very confused. And it's, and, you know, he at one point, in, he wrote a book about his experiences, including all the kind of the dirty details. Um, and it, it goes very far. It's, it's really, uh, you know, Game of Thrones is a fairy tale compared to what he wrote. Down. As far as I, I haven't read the book, so can't really speak from personal experience. But, but, but still, it's very graphic, let's put it that way. And I'm thinking the the... Uh, so he's constantly, at one point he says, well, porn is a, could be an expression of the freedom of the gospel, especially when the people involved in the porno are enjoying it, really enjoying it. And I'm thinking, how naive can you be? This is exploitation. These are actors, you know, act, people that act are not necessarily in, <laughs> they act because they can hide who, what they truly feel. Uh, it's that kind of stuff. And that, that, you know, if you look on social media, it's all, 
tweet uh, retweeted and everybody agrees yeah he's right the church is you know confining people and is homophobic and and then, and you can imagine that that is also a discussion among Catholics because, well, that's probably same where you live. A lot of Catholics are very, very, um, how would you say, also morally confused, and it makes it hard to be um, to to witness that there, it's also possible to live a life of celibacy as a priest and. Of course, we all have our struggles, and I share that with you almost on a weekly basis. How how oftentimes I see my own limitations, and I'm not super a superhero, but I know that my weaknesses is is an, are an opportunity for God to be my strength. That is that's the kind. That's what Saint Paul says. That is the gospel. But it's never about you know, oh I'm I'm just doing whatever I want to do, and I I. To try to avoid every struggle and every challenge, and then I'm going to kind of bend the morals and the uh, the theology to make it fit again, so I can do whatever I please. That is not <laughs> what we're called to do. And so, well, anyway, pray for that priest. Pray for all of us. And again, it's, it's hard to not to judge because I, of course, I'm also like when I see someone doing that. Like, how can you? I mean, really, wake up. Come on. Go and talk to someone and be truly honest instead of uh, doing this, this very graphic confession in a, in a, and then try to sell your book with that. It's just disgusting. It's really... I'm, so, but again, I also know that I'm not the one to judge. That is God. The church can, of course, take measures, and they did by suspending him. And I think that it's totally right. And it would be very wrong not to do that. But at the same time, I ha- my job is to be compassionate, to pray for my fellow priests. And that somehow God will guide us and will uh, also uh, give him plenty of the Holy Spirit to, to discern what, what God truly asks. And, and it's, huh, it's kind of... It's, it's not a problem to stumble and to fight with the challenges of, of, uh, that, that Jesus poses us. But it is a shame and it's sometimes a sin to give up and to say, well, you know, I'm just doing fine. Yeah, I'll just do what I want. And then you just change your church doctrine. <laughs> anyway, so that's why we need your prayers. Hey, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for accompanying me on this uh, Oh man, this ice cream is now all over my hand because I've been talking too much and I'm, I'm, I'll try to kind of finish the rest <laughs> without it getting on my, on my clothes. I'll talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.